Welcome to Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature. It does not take into consideration your personal objectives, financial situation, or needs. So we're a couple weeks late for this, but we're going to go through a mid-year portfolio checkup today and use the two of us as examples. Yeah, always nice when we're the examples, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And and we're late, obviously, because of lockdown. We can blame lockdown, right? Mm -hmm, For sure. So have you been productive so far in lockdown, Shani? Not really. No. I mean, I deep cleaned my house, which okay. isn't a huge effort because it's the one bedroom apartment, but that's pretty much all I've done. Yeah. You you had a skincare incident <laughs> and you just won $35 on a scratchy. On a scratchy. It's all been very eventful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good that you're putting it to good, to good use. You know? <laughs> How about you, mate? Um, yeah. No, I cut my own hair. You shaved your hair off. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> Couldn't really do anything else besides that. But yeah, so I gave myself a haircut yesterday. My mother just saw me on a webinar and is not a fan. Um, And yeah, I've done nothing else productive. So that's good. Yeah, it is great. Okay. (laughs) I don't really know what to say to that, to be honest. I know. But what we have done is we have done this portfolio review, Mm -hmm. right? So today we are going to build off some previous discussions that we've had during other episodes. So we did um, an episode on portfolio construction, and that's where we walked through your retirement. Mm-hmm. And you just told me that you're going to trade in the scratchy. Your $35 <laughs> is going to go into another scratchy. Yeah, and I'm going to keep trading them up. Until you until retire. I'm, yeah. Okay. Well, compounding. The, right, compounding. Yeah. <laughs> but that episode on portfolio construction, we talked about a more conventional retirement where, you know, yes. you work and save and then yes. retire in a while. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that one. And then we had an episode on selecting investments to reach your goals, and we talked about my investment policy statement there, so we'll reference that. And then finally, our last episode, we talked about how you measure success as an investor. So this is good. It's going to build off of a lot of other episodes that we've done. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Shani, where do we start this review off? Yeah. So we use this expression a lot at Morningstar and on this podcast, but we're all about the investor and not the investment. And that's where we'll start with the investor. In in this case, it's the two of us. So the biggest input into an investment strategy or any particular investment we pick is our own personal circumstances and our goals. So it's always good to Uh, It's always a good idea to see if our own personal circumstances have changed at all. Yeah, so exactly. So we want to take a step back. We want to take a look at if anything has changed in your life since the last time you did this. Mm -hmm. Like, has your salary changed? I feel like you should be able to answer that, (laughs) man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, has your salary changed? Have your expenses significantly changed? Has there been changes in who you need to care for? You could have a child or an elderly parent that needs care. And yeah, I don't know, Shani, in your case, I haven't been in your apartment in a while because of lockdown. Mm-hmm. So have you purchased any plants? Do you have anything else that you're, you're taking care of? <laughs> um, no, my plant family hasn't grown. But one big change that I've made um, in my life is that I'm going back to grad school, but um, just for a grad certificate to start off with. So a manageable expense, expense to pay up front. Um, I do have cash sitting in my savings and the cost is pretty immediate. So I'll have to take it from there and focus the next four to five months to replenish those savings instead of directing it to my investments. And this has been a goal of mine for a long time. And I was able to get the course subsidized by about half. And so I had to jump on the opportunity to do that now. So it's a bit of an unexpected expense. Um, but yeah, what about you, Mark? 
Yeah, Any no, big changes? nothing, nothing really. Um, <laughs> you know, I did have my rent reduced on the 1st of March mm-hmm. and I upped my savings a little bit based on that, but honestly, it doesn't really have a profound impact. Um, but the other thing that we need to do, and you reference this a little bit with taking money out of savings is before we get to the investment side of things, we need to talk about an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. So an emergency fund, as we've talked about before, is a pretty critical part of any investment plan. And emergency fund is obviously, it's just cash and it's used for any short-term expenses that come up. And that could be losing your job or having your pay reduced or some unexpected expense like a car repair or maintenance on your house. Mm-hmm. And an emergency fund is a cornerstone of both financial security and your investment plan. The financial security piece should be pretty obvious, but the impact of an emergency fund on your investment plan is under appreciated sometimes. So the last thing you want to do is deviate from your long-term plan for your portfolio. So you want to prevent any situation that arises when you sell any investment you have in a reactionary way. Uh, So if you're just starting out and focused on the long-term, you want your money to continue to compound. If you're older and starting to draw down on your portfolio, you want these drawdowns to be predictable and based on a plan. So it's always good to do a quick check on your emergency fund and see if it needs to be replenished after an expense or if you do need to add to it. So Mark, anything happening there? Yeah, not not much for me, but you know, I think I think I guess one one point for you is that's kind of how you're paying for grad school, right? Yeah. So like in a situation where you didn't have that, mm-hmm. you would have had to sell investments. Yeah, exactly. It. And then pay it. So maybe you're a good example, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, in terms of uh in terms of me because there's nothing going on in my life, um not much to add, <laughs> but yeah, I just try to I guess with my emergency fund, I try to add to it a little bit each year and I did that this year in February. And you know, we always recommend that you have at least 6 months of expenses in your emergency fund. But once again, that really depends on your personal circumstances. So, you know, looking at me, I don't own my house or I don't own a car. um, And those can both be really big sources of unexpected expenses. So yeah, it's not much of a worry of me. And the other thing, of course, is to protect you from loss of salary. And, you know, that's what I think about, you know, given my track record at work, (laughs) especially. But yeah, just, just sort of with my circumstances, I've actually decided that I have more than a year's pay sitting in an emergency fund. And I just kind of figure, given my age, it would take me longer to find a job. Or maybe I never would. Um, so You just call it a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'd, I'd just go get scratches like you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you probably agree with this, right? You keep telling me I'm basically unemployable, right? I've never said that before. <laughs> okay. You make me sound out to be an awful person on this thing. But <laughs> no, I compliment you all the time. You do. You but, do. Uh, but anyway, I'm pretty happy with my emergency fund. So mm-hmm. what about you, Shani? Obviously, you talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I used it to pay for grad school and I'm going to spend the next four to five months just replenishing that. Um, and I don't, I, yeah, I don't own my apartment. I rent, so I don't have any immediate expenses with my house. Um, and I don't have a car. So I'm pretty happy with how it's going. Good. Good. Okay. So we've gone through these kind of preliminary checks at this point. And so now we need to move into the big one, and that is goals. So goals are critical to any review of how you're doing because goals, of course, drive your asset allocation decisions and then your security selection decisions. So any mid-year checkup has to evaluate performance within the context of those goals. So the first step is pretty simple. Are the goals you have still valid? So, Shani, let's start with you. Any change to your goals? Yeah, nothing for me. As a reminder, my primary goal, um, which I walked through on the portfolio construction episode, was to retire when I'm 65, and that hasn't changed. Um, What about you, Mark? Any change to your long-term goals? Yeah, nothing for me either, so we're not that exciting. (laughs) But but one thing that's important is – during our episode on selecting investments, we talked about my goals. The so same thing that you were talking about, and I had two goals. Mm-hmm. 
So that's supplementing my income in the near term with cash flow from my portfolio and then retiring at 60. So first step was pretty simple for us. Um, but what do you do if you're not like the two of us and you actually have a new goal or a substantial change to your goal? Yeah. Well, if you have a new goal, you would just go through the same process we talked through on the portfolio construction episode. It's probably worth doing that also if you've had a substantial change to your goal. For instance, if I decided that I hated working and wanted to retire 15 years earlier, or um, I was increasing the amount I wanted for retirement by a substantial amount. Okay. Well, that hating work, that's obviously, you know, a really unrealistic scenario because I know how much you yeah, love Yeah, just keeping Charlie. you on your toes, mate. Yeah. So the reason I am saying you should probably just start over with your goal, um, if there was a major change to any of the inputs is because there'd be such a shift in your required rate of return that it would require you to reassess your asset allocation and the investments in your portfolio. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So for those who didn't have a meaningful shift in their goals, it's time to assess how you're tracking against your goal. And we're going to use that required rate of return as the means to do that. So the first thing to do is look at that headline required rate of return. Has it gone up? Has it gone down? So Shani, we'll start with you. So remember in that episode on portfolio construction, when Mm -hmm. we looked at your goal, that goal of retirement, you wanted $1.5 million in today's dollars at the age of 65. So you took inflation into account. So that translates into $3.4 million. Mm-hmm. And you had a required rate of return of 6.9% to reach your goal. So how do you stack up now? Yeah, well, the first thing that's changed is the passage of time. So it's been six months since that episode. So now instead of 38 years until retirement, I have 37 and a half years. And um, in a vacuum, as time passes, your required rate of return increases. And that is why it's so critical to save and invest early, because time is one thing that you can never get back. Yes, it's very philosophical. Very deep. Yeah. Okay. So now, of course, you're saving and investing. So you're taking advantage of that time that you have. So let's start with savings. So that episode, you discussed how your focus, or I guess in our last episode, actually, you discussed about how your focus at this time in your life, and given this long time horizon that you have before retirement, so your focus is taking advantage of the years you have ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And that means saving as much as you can, and getting it invested so you can take advantage of years of compounding. Yeah. So let's start with savings. So how'd you track against your goal of saving $15,000 a year? So I'm not exactly a math genius, but <laughs> did you hit that $7,500 savings goal in the last six months? Yeah. So I um, I save for my retirement through super because it's just the most tax-effective way to do it, including my employer contributions, my salary sacrifice payments, and I made a one-off contribution when I get my get my bonus and I do that every year. So after that 15% tax is taken out, I came out ahead at $8,700. Okay. Well, that's really good. So good start. So why don't we look at your portfolio? Mm -hmm. So obviously there's savings, but the other thing is how does your portfolio perform? So how'd you go over the last six months? In that first episode, we talked about having $50,000 already invested towards this goal. So Mm -hmm. where are you sitting now? Yeah, so now I'm at sixty three thousand six hundred and fifty seven dollars. So. That's, that's very that's very exact. <laughs> Three dollar uh, counts, mate. <laughs> exactly. So having all of these inputs that allows us to recalculate that required rate of return. Mm-hmm. So if you're a premium subscriber, we have that functionality that's automatically built into our goal setting feature. But you can also just use a financial calculator just to recalculate this. So given a current portfolio value of $63,657, um, which is made up, of course, the return you made and the new contributions you've made, 37 and a half years until retirement, and that same $3.4 million goal, your required rate of return is now 6.8%. Mm-hmm. So that's good. It went down. Um I guess given that, it's not a big change, but are there any changes 
that you think you need to make to that asset allocation mix you use? Yeah, no, I mean, I picked the aggressive portfolio um, from the guidance we provide as part of premium. At a high level, the portfolio has 90% growth assets and 10% defensive assets. So no real change for me. And as I've said before, I make contributions into the the funds that make up the majority of my investments at set percentages each paycheck. Um, And there hasn't been a big enough difference in the returns between various asset classes to throw my asset allocation too far out of whack. Um, On July 20th, the ASX 200 had returned around 12.5% year to date, and the Miski Global Index is up around 16.5% in Aussie dollars. Okay. Well, Shani, that was a perfect example of how we go through and evaluate a savings plan and and portfolio performance in relation to goals. Which I guess means it's it's my turn now. Yeah, exactly. It's much easier to ask the questions and answer them, Mark. So <laughs> let's go through your retirement plan. Okay. So we can revisit what I said during that episode where mm-hmm. I talked about me. Um, so I said in my retirement accounts, and we noticed the other day that this is the same number, which is yeah, very strange. We have the same required rate of return. So. I know. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So in my retirement accounts, I have a 6.9% required rate of return. Now, I'm in a different position than Shani because as she constantly reminds me, I'm significantly older. <laughs> and uh, and that means that savings is still important, but I've also gotten to the point where returns rather than savings are going to be the biggest driver of my ability to achieve my goals. Morningstar Premium is designed to help you reach your investing goals. Our coverage spans over 50,000 securities and 2,000 funds and ETFs. Sign up to a four-week free trial through the link in the episode notes to access our global equity best ideas for our top picks across borders. Find shares with sustainable, above-average dividend payouts and the best opportunities at home with five-star Aussie stocks. A Morningstar Premium subscription includes a ShareSide investor plan, allowing you to track all of your investment holdings in one place. And take advantage of ShareSide's investment performance and tax reporting that has been built specifically for the needs of self-directed investors. If you love premium after your four-week trial and choose to subscribe, your subscription may be tax-deductible if you derive income from the share market. Sign up for a free trial today. And this is an important distinction that we should reiterate. When you are younger, the biggest advantage that you have when trying to accomplish a goal is time. That means that your focus should be on saving as much as possible to make sure you get money into the market to take advantage of that time you have until retirement. As an old man, Mark's progress towards his goal is going to be overwhelmingly driven by his account balance. Yes, that's right, Shani. And, you know, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, you know, I did, I did put myself in a decent place because I did similar things to you when I was younger and I was really careful about saving and investing. So, you know, even though this did put me in decent shape, I now really need to focus on market returns in my portfolio, which you've obviously correctly identified should be my focus. Um, well, your focus is saving, getting money into the market. So I also want to point out that as you get closer to retirement, this becomes even more pronounced. So I still got a little ways to go, despite what you say, Shani. But poor market returns you know, can be bailed out if you're younger and you're saving a larger percentage of your overall portfolio value each year. But in the last couple of years before retirement, your ability to meet your goals is almost completely driven by market returns. So poor returns can be really devastating, which is why there's such a focus on lowering the impact of negative returns by moving more into defensive assets. And these insights will come naturally to you when you've spent some time thinking about the different inputs that go into how much money you have in the future. As a reminder, those inputs are the amount of money you have now, the amount you can save each year, the number of years until your goal and the return you earn. So Mark, we've had a really strong year for of returns for the first six months of the year. How are you tracking? 
Yeah, well, the good news is that my required rate of return dropped from 6.9% to 6.4%. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, that means we're no longer required rate of return buddies. buddies yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is which is unfortunate, but maybe maybe we'll get back to the same number someday. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, that drop for me is, is pretty significant and it's a really good outcome. And this is just a classic example of what we talked about in our last episode where we pointed out that simply comparing your portfolio to an index may not be the best approach for individual investors. So my total return in my portfolio for the first six months of the calendar year was a little more than 9%. So that's on the underlying securities in my portfolio. And since my portfolio is heavily US dollar based, it turned out to be a little more than 13%. So that's when we take into account the differences between the US dollar and the Aussie dollar exchange rate. Mm -hmm. So the Aussie dollar has gotten weaker against the US dollar during the first six months of the year. And remember that as an Aussie investor that's investing overseas, you want the Aussie dollar to get weaker, which is what happened. Nothing too pronounced, but a bit of a tailwind for investors like Mark who have a lot of overseas holdings. Yeah. And so that 13% doesn't really compare that well to the global index we we're talking about. So that returned 16.5%. But for me, I still consider this really successful because I'm not trying to beat the market, but I'm trying to instead reach my goal. And I've exceeded at that. And I've succeeded at that because my required rate of return has dropped. So let's touch on asset allocation here. You've been quite vocal that you think that valuation levels are really stretched and have talked about building up cash. So how's your asset allocation changed over the last six months? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, Shani. So I have been letting cash build up over the course of the past few years. And that cash has come both from income from my portfolio, from new savings, and from some opportunistic sales. So six months ago, I had a cash balance in my portfolio of 15.5%. Right now, it is 18.62%. And so that percentage increase even though we had such return, such strong returns from equities. Yeah. So how does this compare to your long-term asset allocation? Yeah. So I did say that I made a tactical decision to vary from my long-term asset allocation target because of valuation levels. So normally, same as you, Shani, I aim to have 90% of my portfolio in growth assets, and this obviously deviates from that. But I'm comfortable doing that because my required rate of return is dropping, which means I'm still making progress towards my goal. Yeah. So one last step, let's turn to the actual investments in our portfolios. And it's a good time to emphasize that this is the last step for a reason. We started this episode off talking about that quote that we love here at Morningstar, that we are about the investor and not the investments. That's why we started off talking about the two of us, our personal circumstances and our goals. It's only now that we get to investments. So let's start with you, Mark. How do you think about reviewing investments? Yeah, well, so this is where the investment policy statement comes in. And the investment policy statement is simply the approach you're taking to picking and assessing the investments in your portfolio. So as we discussed in the episode on selecting investments, for my retirement accounts, I'm much more inclined to use collectively managed investments, so like a fund or an ETF. And there are a couple of reasons for this. So first, I don't need to worry about taxes since these are all tax-sheltered accounts. Um, so any distributed capital gains matters less to me. I also start to change my asset allocation over time. So I'll be doing this when I sell out of growth-oriented funds and ETFs and then move into more defensive assets when that's appropriate. And I am focused on lower volatility investments like dividend paying and low beta stocks. So my portfolio is made up of funds and ETFs and individual stocks. And yeah, it kind of hit the mark so far. So I sold two positions over the last six months that I thought were too small to impact my overall portfolio much and didn't really fit into this long-term approach. And because I've already done that, I don't really feel I need to make any other changes. So I've got this growing cash position, which 
I'm, of course, looking for opportunities to invest when I'm a little more comfortable. So what about you, Shani? Yeah, so I've talked about how I'm much more comfortable with funds because of my concerns about my own anxiety around individual shares about and the benefits that I get out of funds, namely the fact that there are no transaction costs on my periodic investments and because I appreciate the wide diversification and skill of the managers. A six-month performance window for a fund is way too short to make any changes and I still believe in the managers of the funds that I'm investing in. So I'll also hold off um, on making any changes and I'll just continue on with my contr- contributions. Okay, I mean... We were kind of boring. Yeah. Like we didn't do much, but. But investing is boring. Right? Investing is, <laughs> investing is supposed to be boring. If, if you think investing is yelling A into two phones. Ride, yeah. yeah. Like you're, you're on the wrong podcast. Exactly. Exactly. So we can recommend some if that's, uh, if that's where you think investing <laughs> is. But anyway, thank you guys for joining us today for this episode. I hope that this helped give you a little bit of perspective about how we go about a review of our portfolios. And yeah, a lot has happened in the last six months. So we've had strong returns. We've had huge inflows from individual investors. We've had some indications that maybe the investing environment is changing. So inflation, talk about interest rates. But for the two of us, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty boring. Mm-hmm. So we will see how the second half of the year goes. And uh, and we'll do another one of these around Christmas. How about that? Sounds good, mate. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you guys very much for joining. We would love to have any ratings or comments on your podcast app. My email address is in the show notes. So please send through any suggestions or feedback that you have. And we'd also love if you share this with your friends. Thank you very much. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.